Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 551st edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Welcome to tonight's show. I'm going to skip the pleasantries. I'm going to skip the beautiful introduction I always give for this show, because as of right now, I'm upset. I'm angry. I am very, very pissed off right now and I'll tell you why that I'm pissed off right now the douchebaggery of American soccer fans has now gone through the roof the douchebaggery of what has been going on through social media has really enraged me it has made me very upset angry and I am livid, and I have been livid for at least a couple of days now, to see the level of stupidity and dumbness by American soccer fans for this national team has really gone over the, the line, completely over the line. Now, let me just say this. I'm not against fans who believe that certain players do not belong on the national team. That doesn't bother me. That does not bother me at the slightest. If you feel a certain player should not be on the national team because you think their game is not good enough, that's fine. That's okay. That's healthy debate. That's healthy banter. That is stuff that I will leave alone because I'm not going to intrude on that because it's just opinions. But when something forms on social media because of that talk, then, only then, am I going to step in and say something because it is just an absolute disgrace on where we are going right now with fandom, not just for the U.S. men's national team, but for the game in our country. And for those of you that have seen this, it is about New York Red Bull center back Aaron Long. How people want to see John Brooks on the World Cup roster and not Aaron Long. Now, I don't know when the whole thing got started. I don't know why it got started. But the talk has been going on for the last, I would say, month plus or so. Maybe a little less than that. Maybe a little more. But what really gets me mad is when someone takes that rhetoric or that discussion way too far. And it happened. I saw it on Twitter. I took a photo of the post. Thankfully, it's been removed, but I took a photo of it. 
and it really, really makes me mad, and it makes me angry that someone is painting Aaron Long in a negative light just so they don't become a part of the U.S. men's national team. What did that person say? Well, folks, here it is. Here it is. Basically, it talks about Aaron Long, a fake quote by Aaron Long, talking about how he's an everyday MLS player playing center back, how the American center backs abroad who play in Europe are on again, off again, and then uses the N-word in this fake quote. Using the N-word in a fake quote, this is not a real story. This is not something from Grant Wall or from any or anyone from the athletic none of the american soccer reporters have ever gotten anything like this a fake quote trying to paint aaron long as a racist when he is not yes i've covered the new york red bulls yes i do see aaron long all the time i i talk to him whenever he's available for the media during pressers or post-game interviews. For someone to do that, for someone to go on social media to make a fake quote, pretending that he said that, just so that he is no longer on the U.S. men's national team, is a disgrace. If someone did that, it's not just him being off the men's national team for no reason. It's also him not being on the New York Red Bulls for no reason. It's also meaning that someone like Aaron Long, who has never done anything like this, could lose his profession as a professional uh, soccer player. This is what they don't understand. This is what those people don't understand. And those in the camp that want him gone are laughing about this. They're giggling over it. LOL. Every time. They think it's funny. They think it's a riot. They think they can laugh about it. This is not funny. This is not funny. You know, I put my name down on my Twitter account because I want to be held responsible for the content that I produce. Why do I have this show? Because I want to be one of those that wants to report on the game, on the American player, domestic or abroad. And as of right now, I am upset and angry. And pissed off that the American soccer fans have lowered themselves to this level. 
And these are the ones that don't put their names down. They make up stuff as they go along because they hide behind their computers. Gotten to the point where the American soccer fan has now failed in support of this game and our players, whether it be domestically or abroad. It was so simple, so simple. We had many, many battles. And the only battle that we only had to worry about was the simple people who love soccer and people who hated soccer. And those people who hate soccer are the dinosaurs of the American sports media who don't want to report or spend a single second reporting on it. Leave it in Europe, they say. Leave it in Mexico, they say. Leave it in South America. It's not going to work here. Sure, the kids will be participating in it, but guess what? It's never going to ring. And look at where we are now. Now we have Americans who love MLS and love soccer, love the men's national team, love everything. To now a faction of, well, I like the men's national team, but I hate MLS. And now another faction that is screaming, we're never going to achieve anything unless we have promotion relegation in the country. To now it's, why, are this, why is Greg Berhalter picking so many MLS players for the, for the men's national team, and it should be more players playing in Europe? Or, now, I hate this guy. Should not be playing on the men's national team. Don't bring him on. And I'm going to find a way to screw that guy through social media. We have failed as fans of this game. The fan base has failed. Because right now, this is something that is not a joke, is not funny, it is disgusting. You know, let me just, you want my, my point on this? Let me, t- let me give you my end of things. Do I want John Brooks on the national team? Of course I do. Of course I want him on the national team. Because of his experience, because he plies his trade every single match in the German Bundesliga, and if he does get picked, Over Aaron Long, that's fine. If Aaron Long does or does not get picked, that's fine by me too. Because there's no skin off my back. Because I'm showing the professional respect that Aaron Long deserves as a member of the media. I will praise him when he wants it, but I will professionally criticize him when he deserves it. But I would never stoop this low on any player in MLS domestically or an American player playing abroad. That is wrong. But let me just, for those of you that are begging for John Brooks to be on this World Cup roster, for those of you begging that he get called in by Greg Berhalter and not Aaron Long, tell me what club he's playing on right now. Tell me 
the name of the football club that Aaron Law, excuse me, that John Brooks is playing for right now. He's not playing for anybody. When the contract expired at Hertha Berlin, no one has signed him. Hertha Berlin has not re-signed him. No one has asked John Brooks to be on their club. He, I don't see his name in preseason. I don't see his name on a club. I don't see him playing, performing, or anything. So if John Brooks is not playing on a club right now, what does that tell you? Tell me, what does that tell you? It means that he's not performing. And if he's not performing, well then, he's not going to Qatar, is he? No one is listening. No one is paying attention. And until John Brooks does get signed, it is up to Greg Berhalter as the head coach of the men's national team to choose whether Aaron Long will be on that World Cup roster or not. And as of right now, I'm not concerned about it. have discussion but until then Aaron Long is the center back of the New York Red Bulls in MLS and whether you like it or not his name is up for conversation to be on it or not and that's it we are not going to smear him because you don't want him on the men's national team. Grow up. Because this is serious business. That he does not deserve. I don't care if you criticize him. I don't care if you feel negative towards him. But never, ever go down that route ever again. You failed us, fans. You failed all of us. And I am very upset. And I am very angry that you pulled something like this. And I can't stand it anymore. Either grow up or live to learn the fact that you can't do this and allow Berhalter to do his job. All right, ladies and gentlemen, great show for tonight for you tonight. Last Wednesday, the U.S. Open Cup semifinals were played. Two big matches were played. And to join me to discuss those games, it is my good friend Michael Batista from the Cup.us as we will review the semifinals of the Open Cup this past Wednesday night. Michael, good evening, and how are you? Doing all right. Glad we didn't have this conversation immediately after Wednesday, but uh, I'm doing okay. That's good. That's good. Um, I want to start off in the Western bracket of the Open Cup semifinals because 
Sacramento Republic has done the unthinkable, and for the first time ever since the 2008 Charleston Battery, Sacramento Republic advances to the U.S. Open Cup final in September as a member of USL Championship through the penalty round shootout. And my God, this was an amazing semifinal over at Heart Health Park that, I'll be honest with you, I I thought Sporting Kansas City, as bad as they have been in league play, I thought they might survive through this, and they found a way to lose it at the death. Yeah. uh, Sacramento just keeps piling on. I personally was always kind of thinking they were going to win this game. Uh, just because of how poor Sacramento has been this year, and it feels like Sacramento, or how poor Sporting has been this year, and it feels like Sacramento had beaten better teams than them. They'd beaten L.A., they'd beaten San Jose, both of which are better teams than Sporting have been in the league this year. Uh, Overall, it's a great story, but I think to go past that, it's great for the players on the field more than any uh, narrative can really tell you about. Uh, some of these players are young players. Some of them have been on MLS teams and been cut and just, you know, looking for that second, not even, not even a second chance, but they, they had their chance at MLS and it didn't work out. So, and even the team itself, uh, the team itself looked like it was going to join MLS uh, up until last late 2021, early 2022 when the investor pulled out. So, I've said it before, and I've been saying it for months. Uh, this is the next iteration of the 1999 Rochester Rhinos. It really is, and I have to agree with you. Um, you know, to see this club performing at a high level, and we and I, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I watch as much USL Championship as you do, or USL matches in the past whenever they've been available through either ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports at the time and Fox Soccer Channel back in the day. There's something about Sacramento, California. We all know that the state of California develops very good, talented players. But to see everything coming together over there and challenging MLS teams and any team that gets in their way for the Republic, they are looking like they could go out and upset Orlando City for that final. They look that dangerous and that good. Well, first off, the, the most shocking thing you just said to me in that last uh, in that last part was USL was on Fox Soccer Channel. I didn't know that, and that's kind of you know baffling to me. But I'll move on. Uh, the I, I think what the crazy thing too is that Sacramento in the league this year isn't. It, Sacramento in the league isn't any kind of world killer. Um, they kind of do also I, – I know I just said they're kind of like the 1999 Rochester Rhinos. But if you remember the 2008 Charleston squad that made the U.S. Open Cup final, they weren't really world killers in the USL either um, in league. And it's kind of funny, isn't it, how these teams every week, you know, week after week, they can have good games, you know, have a couple of missteps here or there. Uh, but then when it comes to the biggest stage, they're going to go out there and they're going to find a way to win. And I think that's why you can't count them out against Orlando because 
let's say in league they finished fourth in the Western Conference. Uh, that doesn't really matter because all it matters is what's going to happen on a Tuesday night in Orlando, in Orlando, Florida. And does it look like they can beat them? All odds are going to point no because all the betting odds are going to put Orlando as the favorite. All, all history is going to tell you, yeah, they're probably going to lose. But what's stopping them? Why not them? Exactly. I don't think anything can stop them. I don't think anything will be able to stop them at all. I mean, when you watch the, this match going scoreless through regulation and extra time, and then, of course, we all know strange things happen in penalty kick shootouts. I have to say, uh, Malik Foster, who scored a Panenka to level the penalties at 4-4 was very ballsy of him. Very, very ballsy of him. I could not believe he had the nerve in an Open Cup semifinal to pull off a penalty like that and found a way to get that tying penalty and force it to the fifth round. It's it's just... It's one of those things where had he missed it, we would be making fun of it for the rest of his career and for for eons. We'd be just making fun of it. Uh, but he made it, and uh, Danny Vitello making making that critical save to like end it. It's everyone played their part. Someone, some players uh, played their part just a little bit extra, and I think that's one of those things where. We're gonna we're gonna laugh about it. We're gonna we're gonna say, "Oh, that's great. That's awesome." And I'm gonna give that. He's got that moment for the rest of his career, for the rest of his life. Uh, I can't even like I can't even say that he was wrong for doing it because it worked. Because I I think yeah. I can't tell you I can't tell you I'm thinking like a professional athlete. But I have to think the Sporting Kansas City goalkeeper saw like was looking at this fourth round semifinal. He probably thought, oh, it's going to be a serious kick. It's going to be a serious kick. There's no way he thought that was yep. coming. No, I agree with you there. And, of course, how fitting for Rodrigo Lopez, who was instrumental in the victory in the quarterfinals over the LA Galaxy, scoring the opening goal. And he closes out the, the penalty kick shootout with the winning penalty uh, to make it 5-4 in spot kicks. And that was just absolutely wonderful to see. We got Sacramento Republic. Advancing to the Open Cup final course. Before that, Red Bulls at Orlando City. And, um, you know, I know we both cover the Red Bulls, and, and we both thought that they would be the ones getting into the final uh, this year. And, unfortunately, just that second half was the biggest meltdown I've ever seen the Red Bulls have at all this year. And we – and to see Orlando jumping all over them in that second half was probably the most craziest 45 minutes this club has ever had. They they were great to start. Um, I thought they were the better side to begin the match. Klamala was, like, tremendous. He Unfortunately, he hit the bar and the post. Lukinas got stopped once or twice. Lewis Morgan gets a great goal. Uh, in beginning of first half stoppage time. And then 
it, it, to me, it looked like that the uh, equalizer con- converted by Cesar Arujo late in first half stoppage time just destroyed whatever positive the Red Bulls had. I'm going to have to disagree with you there. That didn't destroy any positive Red Bulls have. Gerhard Struber destroyed any positive the Red Bulls have. Gerhard Struber, you doing whatever he decided to do with the second-half substitutes is what lost the Red Bulls that game. And I could also argue about how the referees were some of the worst officiating I'd seen in a while because that, that third goal was a disgrace. I know the game was already out of play at that point, but the fact that the linesman's flag went up, I know you have to play the whistle, but the fact that the game was like, you know, both sides were looking at him slowing down and then the goal was allowed, just disgraceful. But I'm going to all, but back to the real point, Gerhard Struber and his subs of taking out Morgan, taking out Klamala. I look, I'm a big fan of Cameron Harper, but, but I'm a big fan of Tom Barlow, but bringing in Tom Barlow at that point was ridiculous. And then Caden Clark later on uh, printing out Omer Fernandez and putting in Caden Clark, just, I, I don't understand it. It completely destroyed the game. Kamal was the best thing we had on offense, like you said, and you take him out. I, I don't see the point of that. I, I, it was baffling. And then to come out after the game to the press media and then say to a post-game press conference, oh, I took out Lewis Morgan because he was kind of looking dejected. He wasn't playing good defense. That's ridiculous. When you're down 3-1, you're going to be playing high offense. What do you mean you're not playing good defense? It's just, I it, it was it was baffling. It's the worst performance of his of his coaching career at any level at any country, and I think that it was just it was astonishing bad. And I'm glad that people in this country don't care about the Open Cup, so they didn't see it. Yeah, but it's a shame because you know how many times that we have watched this club perform in the Open Cup. And we've seen lineups that have been terrible from start to finish. I mean, the absolute meltdown that we saw in that second half was just unfathomable. And I will agree with you about the officiating. How does Alexander Pato, Caceres, then pulls him down afterwards and only gets a yellow card? How does that happen? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, 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 I know mean, referees in this country. I know referees in this country are under a lot of scrutiny. They are doing a lot of work, but there's there and there's. I I don't even know how you give accountability, but there needs to be like some sort of area grievances. Just like look at this person who's doing their job poorly. They, I know there's no set rule book, but that's poor. I agree. It was very, very poor. And I also want to get back to the yellow, to the, uh, to the fake offside flag because to me, and I think I know why the offside flag went up, because if you saw one of the Orlando players coming back towards the ball and he touched the ball, in my mind is where the offside flag goes up because he's coming back from an offside position to play the ball. When yeah. he shouldn't have played the ball. And the referee did not blow the whistle. And then to have a conversation with the near side assistant and allow a phantom goal. I mean, I agree with you. It's disgraceful. And let me ask you this. Even though it's never going to happen because of the officiating blunder, 
in that match, should there have been a replay for this semifinal? No. No, no. Um, you can't. So this isn't like FC Motown versus Westchester from the first round. Because at this point, with that, with what happened here, at the end of the day, the, it is referee's discretion. The referee put the flag up and then put the flag down. By putting the flag up and then putting the flag down, the call was nullified, but, people, but players on both sides saw the flag because it was a long ball. They immediately look at the guy's flag, and he, like, he kind of tinkered with it. You know, It was a stop-start thing. It's disgraceful that he did that, but it's not against the rule. Um, I, there's, and the play isn't off until the whistle's blown. Whistle wasn't blown, you, you score the goal. And at the end of the day, there's no VAR uh, in the Open Cup because it's too expensive. So once you get to that point, it's, it's down to referee's discretion. The only time there should be a replay is when there's an actual rule broken. Like when they're like what happened with Westchester and Motown, which is they, you know, return to the game after being subbed out sort of thing. That, that was, you know, you can't do that. But this one, this is just like, you know, uh, this is just the referee's decision and it has to stand. Well, that's the shame of it, unfortunately. But yeah, I agree with you that, 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 that offside flag coming up um, in my mind, you're you're basically awarding a phantom goal that should never have happened in the first place. But, I mean, look, I'm not faulting Orlando. Orlando did what they had to do. Cesar Rujo got two goals in this one. Uh, of course, Perea, uh gets it to make it 2-1, and that's the game winner. But uh, once again for the New York Red Bulls, you're lamenting over a second half that basically they just had a meltdown and it should never have happened, but it did. And now we have a final matchup, a championship final, I believe September the 7th, I think it was, for this final. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. Orlando City will host Sacramento Republic to see who will be the champions, the national champions of American soccer in 2022. And... Wouldn't it be something if Sacramento Republic does do the deed that they will have a date with the CONCACAF Champions League in 2023 as Open Cup champion? How how amazing would that be? It'd be great. It'd be it would be uh, you know you beat Orlando City, a team that they faced previously in, you know, United Soccer League, you know, how many years ago, you know, former league mates facing off for their first chance at the Champions League. Uh, I think that if Sacramento does get through, there's a very good chance they play someone like Vancouver Whitecaps, and that's a very winnable game. And, I, I'm not saying that Sacramento is going to go all the way to win the CONCACAF Champions League, but I will say that it would be the funniest thing in the world if they do somehow get to play a Liga MX team and you see a double leg of just somehow them scoring a goal against the Liga MX team and just seeing the absolute meltdown of the Liga MX subreddit and, and social media fan base of just, oh, it would be – I'm being a little – little evil person right now, but it would be beautiful. 
Well, let me just say this. I mean, it's it's enough that they get a meltdown now because, you know, you lost to an MLS, you know, Liga MX teams losing to an MLS sides, um, like when the Red Bulls had their run in 2018 when they beat uh, Club Tijuana in both legs, especially Red Bull Arena. There were fans of Club Tijuana walking down the aisle next to the press box where we were behind, or at least where I was behind, uh, the, the, the visitors' bench there, uh, where Club Tijuana was situated, and there are these Club Tijuana fans yelling and screaming at them in Spanish, calling them a disgrace because you're losing to an MLS team, you're an, a Liga MX team, you're a Mexico team, you can't club team, you got you can't do this, and they're doing it. They're, they're losing to uh, to uh, the Red Bulls in the Champions League, and of course, what happened with the uh, CONCACAF Nations League final last summer, the Gold Cup final last summer, the World Cup qualification loss in Cincinnati, and then, of course, the draw at the Azteca this past uh, March. And then, of course, you know, uh, the under-20 tournament won by the U.S., Mexico eliminated in the quarterfinals, not going to under-20 World Cup, not going to the Summer Olympics, I mean, and uh, and the, uh, the the Mexican women's national team losing in the Concacaf Women's Championship for both Olympics and World and the World Cup Women's World Cup uh, next summer. I, I mean, the meltdown would be twice as disgusting for League MX if one of their clubs loses to a second division team if they do win the Open Cup, the Republic. Of course, of course, and like, look, we're, we're we're thinking far too ahead. I could I can dream as much as I want. The deed's got to be done on September seventh, but I think if I think it's possible, I think it's I think that it would be. Uh, I I think that if they if they do make it to the Champions League, they could be a quarterfinal team like by far, and. What the best part is is that if Sacramento does win the Open Cup, they will be they will enter into the 2023 Open Cup like two rounds after the rest of the USL Championship field. So like, there's a lot at stake just for that 2023 season, just because there would be a whole new tournament for them to enter, and then they enter the Open Cup far later than the rest of their competition. Yep, and that's going to be exciting to see. Before I let you go, apparently there's some new information that's popped up that um, everyone's been talking about. Now, apparently, USL League Two, they have uh, two finalists right now, uh, Long Island Rough Riders and Ventura County Fusion. And as I understand it now, like what goes on with the U.S. Adult Soccer Association tournament final, the champion gets an automatic berth to next year's Open Cup. Now that will ring true for USL League Two. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So previously, USL League Two only awarded their Open Cup spots via regular season performance. So it was um, if you won your conference in the regular season – you were organized via points per game, and then after all the conference championship, all after all the conference champions were uh, seated, then it'd be points per game for everyone else. 
they've decided I'm. This is probably the smart move because of the expansion of USL League Two. What they're doing now is uh, every, no matter what team you are, if so long as you're a USA team, the team that wins the t- tournament, the team that wins the playoffs, will get the first overall like allocation spot for U.S. Open Cup berths from the league. Uh, and what that really means is that it makes the playoffs matter a bit more. So, like, let's say you're Long Island Rough Riders, you won your conference, but you're, like, the 11th seed. You're probably not going to get the Open Cup this way. If you win this way, uh, you're, going to, you're going to be number one priority. Same thing would go for, like, Vermont Green. They were the eighth seed. They had an upset win over Lionsbridge FC. If they went on to, if they had won their games, they got to the final. There was there was no way they would be going to the Open Cup without it. But because they, if they had won the whole playoffs, they would jump to the front of the line. Uh, I personally like that system. It's something MPSL has done. Uh, MPSL has been using playoffs to get to, has been using a mix of playoffs and regular season to allocate their spots since they started doing it in the mid 2010s. I think it's a far better system. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's way better. And I agree with you. And so far at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, in the national premier soccer league, the quarterfinalists, uh, automatically go to the uh, open cup for 2023. And so far in the final, it will be crossfire premier, uh, in Redmond, California to take on the uh, FC Motown. Those two are automatically in along with El Farolito, Appalachian FC, Jacksonville Armada's under-23 side, Tulsa Athletic, Muskegon Risers, and Cleveland SC. So those at the moment are the eight sides going to the Open Cup through NPSL. But if one of those clubs do decide to not participate and step down, then their spot is up for grabs. So we'll see what happens there. Finally, uh, Michael, between Orlando and Sacramento, who do you think has the edge here in that final? Uh, well, first off, before I forget, uh, that's the MPSL final is going to be this Saturday at Montclair State, 7.30 p.m., uh, between Motown and Crossfire. I'm going. It's going to be a good mm-hmm. one. Uh, so if your listeners want to go, they should. Um, but uh, the Open Cup final, uh, it's tough. Because of all the teams that Sacramento has faced so far, Sacramento has not faced a team like Orlando City. Um, and you saw in the sporting game, it wasn't like the other games. Like, they, they had trouble. They had trouble. They had to hold on at times. Um, if, I was bet- if I was thinking this logically, I the logical part of my brain wants to go with Orlando City. I think Orlando City has so much going on. Uh, they, ha- they have a decent offense. That Their defense isn't great. It always allows – It seems uh, it's allowed one goal in every single Open Cup game they've played. Uh, but their offense is – their offense was mediocre, but then they scored six or five against the Red Bulls. So what do I know? However, I'm not always logical. I'm also a sometimes degenerate gambler. And if I was in Atlantic City and I saw those odds, I saw odds that said plus 800 uh, Sacramento Republic, I'd be, oh, yeah, I'm taking that bet. 
So what am I saying? I'm saying Sacramento Republic are going to win the U.S. Open Cup. Put the bet in. Absolutely. Well, Michael, let me just say this. As always, thank you for being on the show. I always appreciate you coming on. And um, I'll talk to you again soon. Uh, This has been, I think, since the rebooting of the Open Cup, this has been probably the best edition we have seen so far in a very, very long time. We've had good editions. We've had great moments in the Open Cup, but I have to think that this has been probably the best of the best that we have seen so far. I would agree. Every league has come out of this looking better than they had any right to look. Uh, Players have really increased their stock, I think. Uh, And I'm really hoping that the final can live up to the lofty expectations that we're all putting on it. It's a shame it's not going to be on broadcast television. I would love for this game to be on ESPN2 much like the uh, FC Cincinnati versus Red Bulls game was. Uh, But it is what it is. Um, Let's just hope that we have a good game and end of the high note. Exactly. That's all we can hope for. Once again, Michael Batista, thecup.us. Thank you, Michael, and I'll talk to you again soon. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Once again, that's Michael Batista uh, from thecup.us talking about the Open Cup semifinals. And don't forget, it will be on Tuesday, September the 7th on ESPN+. Plus. Time will find out uh, soon, hopefully, when it will be, what time it will start. I'm guessing it will be between 7 and 7.30, but we'll wait for the official time when U.S. Soccer announces it. And um, this is going to be a heck of a final between Orlando City and Sacramento Republic. It should be a lot of fun. Now, talking about these international friendlies coming in, these preseason tours from some of these uh, European clubs, Barcelona comes to the U.S. and they have three matches played in the U.S. They took on Inter Miami. They took on Real Madrid in Las Vegas. And then they took on the New York Red Bulls. You know, When you have an opportunity to face one of the best clubs in Spain and one of the best clubs in the entire continent of Europe, you playing strong and playing solid against this type of club. But at the same time, you're going to have to understand that there's going to be uh, an opportunity here that you're going to get blown out. And it's quite all right. Because even though they're on their preseason tour, a club like Barcelona is not that weak. And I'm not saying that Inter-Miami had no chance. All I'm saying is is that expect to get destroyed. When you have a manager like Phil Neville that talks to the media, to the national media, the Spanish media, and the local media, about how this is the most important match for this club, the most important match that this club needs to play, you know, needs to play talent like this. To go out 
and claim that you need a victory over Barcelona. First of all, how many pints was he drinking? What was he smoking? Why in the hell are you looking to challenge Barcelona like this? And in my mind, I'm thinking, look, this league has come, you know, far and wide, better, and it more improved than what they were back in the late 90s and early 2000s. We have more talented players. We have academies developing the talent. We have MLS clubs now being considered as serious contenders. And while we have caught up in certain departments, still behind, we are still behind. And as of right now, as of right now, there is no way that Inter-Miami was going to go into that match thinking they're going to blow Barcelona out of the water at DRV PNK Stadium. Whatever Phil Neville was saying, and I think his mentality is being back in Europe talking about this because of how many times Manchester United has faced Barcelona in the Champions League. That was foolish and silly to think his side was going to challenge Barcelona. And at the end of the day, it was Inter-Miami nil, FC Barcelona six. So, whatever chutzpah Phil Neville had, it all went down the hill that night at his stadium to watch Barcelona get picked apart and have, of course, Memphis Depay just making his center back look silly and torch the net the way he did. And I'm not saying his players deserved it, but I'll say he deserved it because what he said was basically fake news. And then, of course, the annual preseason game against Real Madrid away from Spain. And I'm not going to worry about that, but when you fill up Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas with all these Barcelona fans... I'll tell you, it was amazing to watch. And then they come to play against the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena. And would you look at that? Gerhard Struber talks to the media. There's no discussion of we're going to kick their butts. He didn't go out and say, this is the most important match of the season for us, that we have to beat Barcelona. He didn't do that. What happened? 
He went out, told his boys, play the same way you know, against Barcelona, the way you play against our opponents in MLS. And we only scored, and, and Barcelona only scored twice. And granted, the offense was a bit disjointed because you're playing against some of the best players in the world and the best, one of the best clubs in Spain and all of Europe. But you can definitely say there was some profiles of some of our players that have just gone up. And how about Carlos Coronel playing some goal? My God, did he make some big-time saves against none other than Robert Lewandowski. The big attacking Polish strike who still has not scored a goal in the preseason, Barcelona. But when they get to the regular season in La Liga, he'll be fine. But my God, the game that Carlos Coronel and Ryan Mera played in goal for the Red Bulls, they were sensational. They each only allowed a goal in their respective halves against a Barcelona side who they were ready to go after. And Barcelona was not happy that they were being pressed by the Red Bulls. And where they thought they were going to walk into Red Bull Arena and expect a cakewalk, they had to earn it. They had to earn it. And they did. They earned it. They're the better side. Without a doubt, they're the better side. But when you have a club like this that has good, strong, solid young players, and they're being pressed like they've never been pressed before, where they're expecting this type of tactics during their La Liga season, guess what? Guess what? You're fight you're you're you know you're fighting now. You're getting ready for a challenge. And be honest, this is a challenge that you needed. You, this isn't facing Real Madrid. This isn't facing Atletico Madrid, the Getafe, or Valencia. No, you're facing a young and plucky New York Red Bull side that are looking to give you a game. And they did. Granted, Offensively, the Red Bulls were uh, disjointed, but defensively, they were ready and prepared and ready to go. Aaron Long looked solid. Sean Nealis looked solid. Andreas Reyes looked fantastic as a wingback. John Tolkien looked excited and ready to go. Shame that Daniel Edelman had to uh, be a bit reckless in his challenge. That got him a straight red card and sent off. But truthfully, he deserved it because he did go in with a studs-up challenge. Outside of that, the New York Red Bulls in a sold-out Red Bull arena, majority of the supporters are from Barcelona. 
there are support Barcelona either abroad or domestically. This is what had to happen. And this was all for pride. And they accomplished that. They didn't get blown out. They didn't get outworked. They didn't get, uh, you know, starstruck. They did not look out of place. They looked strong, capable, and I would have to say with Red Bull Global, I think this is the perfect system for them to go out and challenge the big boys of Europe if it ever does happen. But I will say this. I will have to say this for the New York Red Bulls. They need, not in this window, because this window is about to shut down in three days. And Joachim Schneider just arrived with the club uh, two days before that friendly against Barcelona. He's going to have to work some magic in the transfer window in the winter. Because as of right now, there's nothing you can do. May get someone on a free. But as of right now, there, you know, there, there, there's no way you're going to get anyone now. Unless it's a miracle. But you're going to need a striker to help fill in some of this gold. They're going to need some help. They're going to need a proven veteran, whether it comes abroad or domestically. You need someone to be a proven striker to be consistent putting the ball into the back of the net. And that's all you can really say about this right now. Until then, until then, we'll have to wait and see. But for now, this is how it's going to be. This is the way it goes. So we'll see what happens down the road. But other than that, get ready to continue on with the MLS season with the USL Championship and League One seasons. Let us get ready for the rest of these regular seasons and again to the playoffs. And let's get ready this upcoming weekend, or shall I say this upcoming Friday, UPSL Championship Final, this coming Saturday, NPSL Championship Final between FC Motown, Crossfire, Redmond. This should be interesting to watch. And we should have a very entertaining final in the NPSL this coming Saturday at Montclair State University. Go to NPSL.com to watch the stream live. Don't forget this coming Friday night. NPSL soccer show. Watch, or should I say, listen to me here at blogtalkradio.com. Once I get the guests, we'll let you know, but we'll still let you know about that 
preview show this upcoming Friday night for the championship final this coming Saturday night for the NPSL National Championship final. I want to thank my guest tonight, Michael Batista from the cup.us to talk about the Open Cup semifinals. This was a lot of fun. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. Oh, and before I forget, happy birthday to my friend and colleague, Kardik Krishnire of World Soccer Talk. Happy birthday, Kardik. Have a good night, everybody. Take care so long and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.